everybody, welcome to episode 58 of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray. So welcome everyone to a new year of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. It is 2020 and we are back on deck uh, talking all things Linux and Ubuntu security. Uh, this week we're going to do our usual roundup of security updates that have happened uh, during the break. Uh, we had some uh, kernel updates recently published and there was a Django update uh, that went out just at the end of last year, so we're going to have a look at those. And Joe and I are going to have a chat about um, connected devices and their security, in particular smart assistants. So these are pretty popular devices nowadays and we thought it was pretty topical to talk about this kind of thing. So anyway, let's get into it. First up, we're going to talk about uh, an update for Django. Uh, this was for Xenial, Bionic, Disco, and Eowyn. Uh, there was a single CVE here. Uh, this was a high priority one. Uh, it had a lot of, I guess, media coverage, and this was particularly because it related to account takeover. So in this case, it allowed an attacker to potentially overtake someone else's account uh, using the password reset functionality. Because the problem with Django, when it would try and you, you would supply an email address and it would compare that against what was in its database. And if it matched, it would then send uh, the password reset uh, token out. But it would do a couple of things wrong. First of all, it would do the comparison in, uh, well, not correctly, taking into account uh, Unicode characters and casings and things. And then it would go and send it to the email address that had been specified originally in the form. So what this meant is that if you could uh, impersonate an email address with one that looked almost identical with taking into account Unicode transformations, you could then get it to match one that was in the database. And then the email would get sent to you, not to the original you know, registered account. And as a result, you would then get the password reset token for someone else's account. You could reset their password and you would have their account. So the fix for this was uh, pretty straightforward, included a couple things, which was to do the Unicode uh, string comparison correctly against what was provided and what was in the database. And then to, uh, as a second line of defense, to actually send the password reset to the email address that was in the database, not the one that had actually been supplied. And so as I say, that has now been fixed for Django uh, in all the supported Ubuntu releases. Now we're going to have a look at some kernel updates. So we've got updates for basically all the kernels supported in Ubuntu. That is the 5.3 kernel used in uh, Eowyn. And this is also used for a few of the flavors uh, in Bionic, in particular for Azure and uh, GCP, the edge kernels there. Uh, as I say, there were 18 CVEs that were fixed in this update. Uh, so as a result, I'm not going to look at all of them, but I'll talk about the medium and uh, higher priority ones. Uh, in particular, there was a use after free in uh, the ALSA sound subsystem in the timer implementation for that. Uh, as a result, a local user could trigger that use after free. That would then most likely result in a crash. So you would get a denial of service of the host, but you could possibly get arbitrary code execution as well in the kernel. Uh, we also had an update for a memory leak in the tracing subsystem. And again, that could be triggered by a local user. So you would get a denial of service as a result of exhausting all uh, memory at the kernel. Uh, there was also a uh, fix because uh, the Spectre uh, return stack buffer uh, mitigation. So this is a variant of one of the many different Spectre speculative execution attacks uh, were not properly enforced on PowerPC. And then there were a few different uh, heap overflow in various Marvel Wi-Fi drivers. So there were two heap overflows in the uh, Libertas uh, Marvel Wi-Fi driver and there were two in the Marvel Wi-Fi X driver as well. And so both of these could possibly be triggered by local users or even uh, remote users in radio range. And you could therefore get a crash, but possible code execution as a result as well. But as I say, they've all been fixed. We had an update for the 5.0 kernel. This is used as the kernel for Disco, which is Ubuntu 19.04. And for the AWS and Oracle Edge kernels, the Azure and GKE kernels in Bionic. 
28 different CVEs were covered in this. Uh, some of these I mentioned uh, just previously, but in particular, there was a uh, out-of-bounds write in the binder IPC subsystem. This is popular on Android, but actually is getting used in other places as well nowadays. And as a result of this out-of-bounds write, you could potentially crash the kernel or you could potentially get arbitrary code execution as well. Uh, there was uh, fixes for some of the ones I mentioned earlier, which was the memory leak in the tracing subsystem. There was also the Spectre RSB and the uh, heap overflow in the Marvel Wi-Fi drivers. But particular for this kernel, we also had a memory leak in the VirtualBox guest driver. So as a guest user, you could trigger that and get a denial of service. Uh, there was also a fix for the Wi-Fi stack where it would fail. So this is the overall um, 802.11 Wi-Fi stack in the Linux kernel. Would fail to validate uh, the SSID information element lengths. And so if someone provided one that was uh, too long, you could get a buffer overflow. And again, this could be done uh, remotely. So anyone in radio range would have been able to trigger this, but again, that's been fixed. Uh, and there was also a uh, failure in the kernel SIFS uh, file system implementation that uh, failed to sanitize paths that were returned from a remote uh, Samba server. And so as a result, if you had a malicious Samba server, it could overwrite arbitrary files on your client machine. But hey, that's all been fixed. We had updates for the kernel in uh, Bionic. This is the 4.15 kernel, which is also used as the hardware enablement kernel in Xenial and as uh, the hardware enablement kernel in Trusty Extended Security Maintenance on Azure. So uh, a bunch of these, again, I've mentioned already. So that was the use after free in the ULSA timer implementation. There was a Spectre RSB mitigations not being properly enforced on PowerPC and the heap buffer overflows in the Marvel Wi-Fi drivers. Plus for each of these, we had uh, a bunch of low priority CVEs, but I'm not gonna go into detail on those. If you want, you can go and read uh, the Ubuntu security notices, the USNs that are linked to in the show notes if you wanna find out more details on all of those. So a couple more just to go through. We had an update for the kernel in Xenial itself. That's a 4.4 kernel, and that's used as the uh, hardware enablement kernel in Trusty Extended Security Maintenance, if you are a Trusty Extended Security Maintenance customer. And again, this included the Spectre RSB mitigations and the heat buffer overflows in the Marvel Wi-Fi drivers. And finally, the LivePatch team released live patches for uh, the Bionic and the Xenial kernels. So if you are running Bionic or Xenial and you have enabled LivePatch via the uh, Ubuntu Advantage client, you will be able to get these as well. And so you'll be able to get these updates without rebooting. And this includes, again, the heat buffer overflows in the Marvel Wi-Fi drivers, plus an issue that I discussed back in episode 55, which was something specific to the Ubuntu kernel where uh, there was a reference counting issue between uh, OverlayFS and ShiftFS when used in conjunction with AUFS that was found by Jan Horn from Google Project Zero. And so they have all been fixed uh, using live patches. So you are now uh, fixed on those as well. And that's it for this week, or the last, I guess, four weeks really, in security updates. Uh, so up next, Joe and I thought we would have a chat about something pretty topical. Uh, lots of people would have probably got smart devices over the holiday break, uh, smart assistants in particular, and be deploying these or not. And so we thought it would be uh, instructive to have a talk about the security and the privacy aspects of these sorts of devices. Hey Joe, welcome back. It's a new year. Hey Alex, great to be back. We had a nice little break that we do every year at Canonical, two weeks around the end of the year. Get refreshed, get bored enough to want to come back and start working again. <laughs> yeah, 
no, I, uh, I certainly had a good break away from from the keyboard, from the computer. It was a good time not having to worry too much about the cybers and, and all of that. <laughs> this guy's not falling when you're out. Um, you're out having fun. That's right. Um, but now, because it was the holiday season and people do get a lot of gifts, um, I think we are going to talk today about um, some of these new internet-connected gifts. And I know you have been, um, you've got, what, a Google Nest on the way, and I have a, um, I have Nest cameras as well. Um, and there are other brands, obviously, like Amazon Alexa, and they were in the news recently because um, people were getting threatened based on their, via the Alexa. Um, but it, 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 it was uh, being touted as Amazon's platform being hacked, but it was actually just password reuse. I think there's like a, a fan, I think people try to use a, um, a, f- a fancy word for that. Is that password stuffing? Yeah, credential stuffing. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, okay, well, Pat, I don't know. I'm going to call it password reuse because that doesn't... It actually makes sense. Doesn't yes. sound... Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> um, that's what they're doing. Yeah. Um, anyhow, so people were doing that, finding uh, duplicate uh, uh, passwords that would let them in and then, you know, yelling at people, threatening Bitcoin or, or murder, etc. But this brings into a greater conversation of um, privacy and connected devices. Um, it, you know, I think we spoke maybe a month ago about how, you know, like I, you know, we deploy things in our, on our networks, you know, for me, um, on my home network, it's all about segmentation. But as you brought up earlier, when we were chatting about this, Alex, segmentation only helps you if it gets hacked and then, and then popping to other parts of your network. But, um, but what happens if it's the platform itself? I think I have a, I have a new Roku on the way because I think Roku is kind of awesome. But the remote control that comes with it has audio. So obviously my $43 Roku player isn't going, like doesn't have the compute power to do you know, audio analysis and do um, word, you know, speech recognition. Mm. So is it sending everything up to the cloud in real time? Yeah, I guess I, I don't know. And I look at the, so the Google Nest uh, case, you know, yes, I've got one on the way and it was free. And had it not been free, I don't know that I would have got it. But when something's free, it's very enticing. And so, yeah, it arrives anytime now. And I really don't know if I actually want to use it or not. I think I'm quite used to, I've got an Android phone and I'm quite used to using, uh, I guess, the Google Assistant on that. But my phone is generally locked. And uh, unless I say the magic words, which I'm not going to do now because it will (laughs) beep at me. But, um, (laughs) you know, then it's, I guess, uh, I mean, well, actually, I don't know. I assume that it is doing it's doing the keying itself, so it actually has the language model and the speech recognition built into it, so that it can at least key off the keyword, right? And then mm-hmm. it will then record whatever you say, and then that part gets sent to Google, right? So I'm assuming not yeah. everything I'm saying is getting sent, and I don't know if that's the case for the, you know, the Nest or the other similar devices. I guess I hope it is, but even still, uh, you know, there's a lot of what you say and what can be happening that can get recorded and there have been cases where these things either get triggered inadvertently or not and mm-hmm. you know they end up taking actions that people are entirely unaware of that they have you know seemingly authorized and mm-hmm. you know sending your private details to someone else or oh, that kind of yes. thing you know, that has happened yeah two years ago there was an fbi case where someone was shot in their home and um they wanted to get the audio recording from amazon um and i can remember how it turned out if Amazon was like, well, we don't record everything all the time, so we don't have this data. Mm. Um, and, but I can't remember how it turned out. And after this, I'll have to look into it. But um, if anybody 
listen to this and happens to know, um, let us know. But that was a really interesting thing. You know, if we're recording and being monitored at all times, can this be used for good yeah later well uh i don't know if we talked about this or not but um i saw that the fbi are recently wanting or you know subpoenaing um uh the ring the amazon ring cameras so that uh you know if there's say a crime in the nearby area mm-hmm. you know they will then go to amazon and go all right give us all the footage that you know your ring cameras have recorded mm-hmm. for the you know half an hour surrounding that or whatever so they can try to identify mm-hmm. suspects and that sounds on the one hand you're like oh yeah that kind of makes sense and on the other hand you're like no that's really scary because just because you happen to be uh you know in the wrong place at the wrong time you then get uh you know become a suspect for something that you're not related to Mm -hmm. so that brings up something now you you said you wouldn't have you gotten this this nest if it weren't for free Mm. and um I use my cameras to watch my dogs when I'm not home and I'm a crazy dog person so that's why I needed them yep um but do you, do you think there are people, and I assume there are, that are going, I'll say the opposite way. If you think about your most, even cars, you've got, you've got things as fancy as you know, Tesla's with their autopilot, but then you also have um, you know, just regular cars with their OBD2 systems yep. that, can record, um, that can record everywhere you've driven, all locations, because um, lots of them have GPS built in now. Um, so uh, do, you, do you go the opposite way and eschew all this for, um, uh, I don't know, if, have you read any of the Dresden Files books by Jim Butcher? No, I haven't. Sorry. Well, this fits right into it because in the books, Harry Dresden is a modern day wizard, but because of his powers, he breaks modern electronics. So the only thing he can drive is a old blue beetle. Um, because he breaks everything else. Yep. But as a side effect, he can't be traced on that. Um, and I also had an old blue beetle, but I didn't get rid of it because I'm a wizard. I got rid of it because I was tired of fixing it. <laughs> so you don't actually have secret magic powers, Joe? I'm pretty good at VI. So, that's, I mean, that, that's is a power. That is a superpower, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I get to have escape call on WQ faster than anybody else I know. <laughs> um, so um, let me ask you this, Alex. If... Would you get an internet-connected toy for um, your children? No. No, I'm far too um, scared off by that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I guess I don't trust the toy makers to build them securely anyway. You know, even if I mm-hmm. um, wasn't worried about the privacy aspect of, you know, whatever backend system and all that, right, mm-hmm. of, of some company having access to, you know, I guess some relationship with my child through this device. Um, mm-hmm. I don't trust that the platforms are secure enough. With something like the the Amazon devices or the Google devices or your Apple devices, you know those are big companies with very good security teams mm-hmm. who do very good product security engineering. You know they all have um, mm-hmm. you know automatic updates, all that kind of stuff turned on. They're all quite hardened mm-hmm. and it's a very managed platform. So I trust those a lot more uh, than I would some random you know um, kids toy that comes from mm-hmm. yes yeah, some suspect manufacturer that generally is just churning these things out. Uh, so that I guess that we worries actually, me more, yeah, the poor product engineering mm-hmm. and poor security engineering. But I do entirely still worry about the privacy aspects as a second secondary factor. Mm-hmm. But that's a bit more nebulous for me. I don't have any, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm really concerned about this because that company's dodgy. It's more just, yes, on a technical level, I can go, yes, I don't trust their security engineering. <laughs> but I find mm-hmm. it harder to pin down, as I say, the privacy stuff. And I wonder if that's kind of the slippery slope we're getting into where... Um, us as an older generation who haven't grown up with this technology, we're wary of it. Mm-hmm. 
but we may find it actually quite hard to articulate what exactly we are directly scared of. Whereas a younger generation that grows up with it and has it all around them, they will just mm -hmm. trust it implicitly. Same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's interesting because the first time someone texted me, I was like, just call me. What are you, a little kid? And now I'm like, how dare you make my phone ring? Yeah. This could have been handled in a text. Like, if I could pay for a service where the phone didn't ring at all, I would. Yep. But I haven't looked into it. So maybe it won't exist, but I haven't looked into it. Um, now, now, you brought up actually a really good point, though. Um, you know, you've got these secure platforms of Amazon, Google, Apple, et cetera, building this. You have some faith in their underlying engineering skills. But we've actually seen this a number of times with IoT devices for the, or these connected toys where they're getting hacked because a number of things. I think one, obviously, is the, the uh, improperly secured Amazon S3 bucket, right? Yep. You just see that. Um, so all the data is public for the world. The next thing you see are you log in, but it's, it, they, they do one of the OWASP top 10 um, failures, which is they don't check proper authorization at each, um, each function call. They just check that you're logged in. And so in the URL is your user ID, you just increment it and you get someone else's data because all they're doing is checking you're logged in, not that you should have access to that data. Right. So those are two that have happened, I think in the last year yep. that I, uh, I saw in the security news. So there is a well-founded reason for you to have those concerns about security in these connected yep. devices. Yeah, and even on the, uh, you know, if you look at some of the cheaper home IP cameras and things like that, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of them ship with default credentials and people don't end up changing those. Again, another OWASP top 10, uh, you know, failure for, yeah. for those sorts of devices too, right? And so mm -hmm. we still keep seeing these out of different manufacturers. So yeah, from a, as I say, from a security engineering point of view, I, I worry, but I, I worry in a more undefined way about, about privacy, but I can't, as I, say, I can't articulate that one very well because I guess maybe it's because some of these, we don't know exactly what the, the nature of these backend systems are and what and mm -hmm. how much they are storing and how much they're collecting. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, we saw with the Snowden leaks just how much um, access the intelligence organizations, particularly within mm -hmm. the Five Eyes countries, can have access to this data that private mm -hmm. companies are collecting. And so I think it's very wary or it's very right of people to be wary of this stuff. But I mm -hmm. find it's hard to uh, directly measure or kind of represent that risk. Uh, yeah, I don't know how to quantify mm -hmm. it. Yeah, well, I, I mean, you can take your tinfoil hat off too, you hippie. But um, uh, <laughs> there is a fine line. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm just joking. There is a fine line between um, using data to keep us secure and using data improperly and i don't want to go into that discussion i don't think I, maybe if you're if you're if you're at a conference you can approach alex or i and get a free sticker and <laughs> talk to us about that but um but uh so, so you know i don't want to paint the picture that we're anti that stuff um although apparently alex is as he's putting a new thing of tinfoil on his head that's right um, anyhow uh this was a great discussion alex i think there's a great <laughs> podcast of the new year so thanks, everybody, for listening, and um, have a great 2020. Oh, yeah, change some passwords. It's a new year. Go for it. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. Speak to you soon. All right, so a bit of a shorter episode this week coming back into 2020, but uh, as usual, we'll be back next week. In the meantime, if you want to get in contact with the team, you can reach us at security at ubuntu.com. Or if you want to chat to us, you can find us in the Ubuntu Harden channel on the Freenode IRC network. Uh, you can also use the security section on discourse.ubuntu.com or if you like Twitter, you can get us at ubuntu underscore sec on Twitter. So thanks everyone for listening again for another week. 
It's great to be back again for another year. Hope to have some great content and hope to get some of the other members of the Ubuntu security team on board to talk about some of the awesome stuff we're doing. Uh, but until then, remember, keep calm because we've got your back and I will speak to you again soon. Bye.